0: In the unlikely event that we lose cabin pressure, the panel above your seat will open, revealing an oxygen mask. In this event, pull down on the plastic tubing and extend the mask towards your face. Place the orange cup <laughs> open nose and mouth and continue to breathe normally until a uniformed attendant okay. has told you it's safe to remove the mask.
1: This is The Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Welcome back to the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. So honored that you're here with us today. Have you ever thought about what it means to be uncommon? I mean, just think about it for a minute. Have you ever wondered why we use that word so much across the landscape of Leading Second? We say we're here to raise up uncommon church builders. You know, the definition of uncommon is not common. (laughs) Rare. Unusual, not seen often. When we set out to start this tribe, that was the word that we couldn't get away from in our spirits. You know, if you haven't noticed lately, normal isn't working in our culture, (laughs) usual isn't working. Uh, Even in the church, there's so much that is normal now that I just wonder if it really honors God. And so we started this tribe to raise up uncommon leaders, the rare ones, you know, the ones who get it, the ones who are in it all for something bigger than themselves, the ones who honor at all times, the ones who have an excellent spirit. That's uncommon to me. And if any of that resonates with you, I just wanted to say to you today, a big welcome home. Welcome to your new tribe. Welcome to a group of people, an army of people committed to thriving and leading in an uncommon way. In the second chair, it's the honor of a lifetime Lindsay and I have to be a part of this community. So today we're continuing our conversation with global communicator and very respected leader around the world, Cy Rogers. Cy has a unique and a necessary voice for our generation today. I believe our generation in the church, in fact, could very well be defined by how we respond to issues of God's grace and our own humanity. And and even then beyond that, uh, so many leaders, so many younger leaders are wrestling with issues of their own past and humanity. And today we're going to lean into what to do when you're not doing okay personally as a leader. So for some of you today, this might speak to right where you're at. And if, if so, I pray this will minister to you and help you today. Uh, For others of you, this might be something you can save for later on or as as wisdom to help somebody else. I'm so glad that you're here today. So today I wanted to take a question from a listener of the Leading Second podcast. We love hearing your questions. I'd encourage you to send them in on the Leading Second forum on Facebook or leadingsecond.com. And so today we had this question come from a listener. Let's check this out. Hey y'all! This is Mikey from Dallas, and I uh, just want to first say thank you so much for this podcast. Uh, I really do believe that it's helping you know leaders of of all ages, um, especially us leading second uh, leaders, and just wanted to say thank you. Um, my question is uh, regarding people. You know, they always say it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> that uh, our ministries, our careers revolve around people. Um, cause you know, people can be the best part of your life and they can also hurt you. And so I guess my question is, how do you guard your heart while at the same time unconditionally loving somebody? Well, Mikey, thanks so much for sending in your question. I, I love this question. In fact, how do you guard your heart while still loving people unconditionally? You know, that really is the great task of leadership, isn't it? Keeping a soft heart, even while you have thick skin. You know, one thing I can tell you about ministry is this. The sad reality is someone is going to hurt you along the way. That, that is a guarantee. Um, you're going to get hurt because we're, we work with people every single day. But you're asking the right question, Mikey, because uh, you know, like I do, that out of your heart, flows every bit of your leadership. So when something gets in your heart along the way, it will greatly affect you and your ability to minister. I wanted to bring up today in your to answer your question uh, 2 Corinthians 2:11 and it says this as the apostle Paul is writing to uh, the church in Corinth on forgiveness. And he says this in verse 11 in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We are not unaware of his schemes. I guess, Mikey, my thought for you today is simply this. We need to be aware of how the enemy works. You know, quite frankly, the enemy doesn't like what you're doing. The enemy doesn't like that you're a church builder. The enemy doesn't like that you're on the front lines of ministry. He doesn't like how you're building your church. And so he has very real devices and schemes he will use against you. He wants to hurt you. He he can't, he can't get to you, but he wants to hurt you. He wants to disorient you. He wants to confuse you so that you'll back up. And I think part of the way as believers that we stand firm in the Lord is, is we know in advance. And it's almost like we try to see it coming that, that the enemy will try and work against us. That's how we blunt him is we know his schemes. We are aware of them. And I guess I would say this to you today too, just because the last person hurt you doesn't mean the next person will, you know, the great strength and humility of a church leader is to get up and love the next person, even though the last one may have hurt you. In other words, strong ministry leaders have an ability to dust off, to choose to forgive and to not make the next person pay a price for what the last person did that may have Hurt you. In other words, if we accept the blood of Jesus as total and complete payment for our sins and for the wrongs that that person committed against us, we can start again every single day with a fresh slate. And we can step out and love the next person unconditionally and not make them pay for the hurt from someone from yesterday. And I'm sorry, I'm being long-winded, but I have one final note for you, another close on the message here for you. And that's this. I heard Pastor Craig Grishel say one time, change my life. Do something every day to kill your dark side. Do something every day to kill your dark side. That one piece of wisdom has saved my life over and over again. In other words, if you're walking through some hurt and you're wanting to love someone unconditionally, practice what Jesus said when he told us to love our enemies. And pray for our enemies. If there's something in the past that's bugging you or a past relationship that's tripping you up, try this. Do something kind for them. Do something generous for them. You don't have to trust them. You don't have to use them in leadership or use them in influence, but kill that thing in you that would want to hurt them or want to see them damaged somehow and instead turn it. Do something kind for them. It will do something in you that almost nothing will. So anyways, I could go on for a while, Mikey, but we love you. We're so proud of you. So thankful for what God's doing in your life and in your church. If you have a question you'd like to hear us answer right here on the podcast, I'd encourage you to head to the Leading Second Forum on Facebook and submit your question there or um, reach out to us online. We'd love to feature your question or your I Am Leading Second story. Okay, so here we go today with the second part of our conversation with Cy Rogers. We love Cy here at Lady Second. I believe this is going to help you today. Uh, So here we go. Let's return to my conversation with Cy Rogers. You shared, and this is just in terms of stewarding the people that come into our world and come into our churches. You shared a definition of love. I'm going to maybe get this wrong, and you just feel free to correct all over it. But love first of all says, "I will love you and I will take you just as you are," and I think it's important for people to hear that first of all. And then, of course, love says, "Because I love you, I'm not going to leave you as you are." And I, you know, from what I what I understood from you is that those two definitions are both important and must happen in that order. But people must hear both. And I I just loved that it changed my life those years ago. Any any thoughts on that? Well, you know, uh, love is
0: always this central theme of human experience. Every single human is born pre-wired by God to crave that bread of life and that bread of life uh, is is to be validated. You know, uh, we're born with our cup, not topped up. We're born with our cup empty. Uh, and we, we hunger to be loved and God is love and we are to love our neighbor. We are to love our enemies. Uh, we are to, uh, you know, love others as ourselves. And the word love is so overused and yes. so romanticized and idealized that to me, I've had to learn to uh, redefine it because for me, growing up in American pop culture, uh, I believe that love meant feelings and sentiments and sex. It's not that it can't include that, but it's not limited to nor defined by that. So to me, to, the biblical definition of love is to assign value for god's valued humanity that he gave his life as a redemptive sacrifice to rescue it in other words it took action it wasn't a feeling he felt um he he assigned value to us to the degree that he acted on our benefit at his expense so um to value, greater value of another has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend. Value God. If God's really valuable to you, prove it in the way that you live your life, said the Lord. You know, if you love God, obey him. So if I really value God, he won't just be an idea I give thought to. He will be a person I seek to please, and I will seek to please him in the way that I conduct myself behaviorally. Uh, Value your enemy. That is, your enemy, you know, God saves serial killers. He saves Nazi war criminals. He yep. saves pedophiles. And whether I think they deserve it is irrelevant because I am not the ambassador of my opinion about others. I'm the ambassador right. of God's opinion. And God's opinion is that everybody has value. And that even if the image of Christ has been damaged in a person, they are still made in the image of God. And so Jesus has died for them. So they still have value. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm to value my neighbor uh, as myself, assign value to others. And we learn to bring value to others when we first get convinced we've got value. So for me, getting back to your point, I came to church believing the only value I had was to be sexually available. Hmm. And I, the only reason I walked away from that bread, it wasn't for ethics. It wasn't for services. It wasn't for sermons. It wasn't for improved living. I could have cared less. My eyes were open to God and he made me feel valuable in spite of my feeling dirty, in spite of my knowing I had compromised myself just to feel some validation. And so the only reason I traded away the best bread that I had was not for religious culture, uh, you know, singing songs, hearing sermons, going to church isn't going to hurt you, but it's not going to make you feel validated as much as healthy relationship investments will. Yes. That's the living thing that makes you feel loved is the investments so, others place upon your life. And so when I began to go to church and people in my church hugged me and loved me and touched me and took time with me and and invested listening to me and showed me that I mattered to them, at first I couldn't believe it. At first, I thought people were going to try to hit on me. That's, the, what, that's what I was used to. And when these wow. people only acted with integrity toward me and still included me in their world, just like I was, they would have viewed me as a freak show at that time. Uh, they overcame those initial reactions to me and proved to me I had value without having to be exploitable. It changed my life. Then. Wow the next thing they did was that they took me to the next level. That is, well, sure, God will love you like you are, but he's not going to leave you there. Why? Because he values you, and he has a future for you, and that future is valuable. And therefore, you know, he has compassion in the ditch in which he finds you, but because he values you, he's not going to leave you in some ditch of dysfunction. If you're in some addictive process, or you're hooked on porn, or you're, you know, living in the woundedness and bitterness of some abusive history, God understands how you got pushed in a ditch and he doesn't blame you, but he's not wanting you to live in the ditch. He's got better for you and he doesn't want the ditch to define you. So lifting me out of the ditch is what we call discipleship, that yes, I love you just like you are, but because I love you and value your life and your future, I'm not going to leave you in the ditch. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to train you and instruct you on a healthier path so that you don't hurt yourself, you don't hurt others and you don't hinder my best. Why would I bother? Because you're valuable. This is what it means to be a disciple and to be a disciple maker. So, uh, you know, many times our church culture is not well trained in that, that all these sermons, all this singing, all these things we do on a Sunday are ultimately about bonding the community of the fellowship of saints and taking us on a path. What path? God's path. Toward what outcome? Well, a life that fulfills God's intentions and that is healthy, where we don't hurt others and ourselves and that we do not hinder, but rather fulfill our life mission yes. in this life. So that, that's making disciples. And remarkably, a lot of people aren't clear on that. We go to church week after week. We hear singing and sermons and songs, but they're not clearly put before us as all shaping us on a path toward that mark. What's that mark? Well, sexually, relationally speaking, it's to become a responsible steward of mind and body to live in relational and sexual integrity. So uh, that's my take on it. And uh, I don't think I've arrived, but now that I am 200 years old, I look back, (laughs) I look back over my life, and I can say to young ones like you don't give up, get up keep walking forward toward god there is no sin he cannot forgive no wound he cannot mend no no struggle that he doesn't have compassion towards and and no no uh, pattern that seems so controlling that he cannot help you conquer it and move forward so whether that includes therapy or whether that includes breakthrough in prayer, whether that includes the word, whether that includes, uh, you know, talking to trusted friends or all of these ingredients. There's so many more resources available, so many tools, systems of support, and the illumination uh, that is available to us today that back in my earlier days was not. I had to learn it the harder way. Where Today, we even have a chance to converse about these things uh, right now, you know, in a podcast to serve your listeners. Uh, certainly I appreciate your wonderful heart, Brandon, as you do care about people and pastorally seek to serve them, uh, and you serve them well. And even today's podcast is is a part of that service.
1: We believe it. And, and I, I believe just one thought from some of these conversations can truly save Someone's life. Uh, so maybe let me transition to the maybe the biggest question I wanted to ask you in our conversation today. And let me, I guess, set it up. I say this um, in no other profession in the world that I can think of is our morality as tied to our employment as full time ministry. Meaning, you know, if you're addicted to pornography, and you know, are in a di- different profession, you often get to still be in that profession because th- that's just something on the side and often is unrelated to your work. But in ministry, that is not the case. Our, our morality and our employment are that's specifically right. tied and, and, and rightfully so. And well, that's it, right, it's part of the criteria of the job of influencing other people absolutely but but then to me the the situation we end up in is you got a whole bunch of leaders out there that are that are struggling with something and they don't feel like they can speak up they don't feel like they can cry for help or maybe they don't know the avenues to and so they struggle silently and and many times don't win the war on the inside and so of course that's why we see christian leaders fall and we 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 see all these things, and I, I you know, whether it be financial issues, whether it be sexual issues, you know, whatever the case may be, I just think there could be young leaders listening, even to this podcast today, who are silently struggling with something. They don't know how to speak up. It could it could affect their job. It could affect what they feel is God's call for their life. So it's just saying all that to the young leader potentially struggling silently today with something. What would you say to them today? Yeah.
0: I would like to say a few things and I appreciate the chance to do so. So if you're listening to me and you are a leader in some capacity and you are struggling with sexuality behaviorally and or in thought life, do not give up on the character of your creator, your father in heaven, who loves you, who understands you, who still calls you and who anointed and been gifted you. So do not give up, keep getting up, walking toward him his shoulders are broad he is understanding and empathetic jesus tempted in every way we have been we are told in the book of hebrews that we can approach our great high priest who intercedes on our behalf we can approach him and expect to find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need so if you are struggling you have a time of need if you feel shamed and condemned you have need to be lifted and assured so if you are struggling, get in the line with the rest of us. Everybody struggles. It's right. to simply a matter of degree and also right. to a degree of how we manage that struggle. And what could be better management than running to God, not from him? Because I want to make another point. You are not your calling in ministry. Mm. You are a person. Well, let me restate it. Your first calling is as God's child. Yes. Whether you ever work in ministry another day in your life, whether you leave ministry, You are still God's child and you will be used by God to advance the kingdom. Whether you work a secular job, whether you're a uni student, whether you are an airline pilot, whether you're flipping burgers, whether you are in full-time ministry or you leave full-time ministry and become a real estate agent, you belong to God. So wherever you set your foot, becomes sacred territory for the kingdom's advancement. Whether it's the black square or the red square, God owns the whole checkerboard. Is that clear? And having said that, therefore, as God's child, your first calling is as God's child. If there's something in your soul hurting you, hindering you, damaging you, Mm -hmm. that's more important to a father than what you do for his kingdom. So you are not defined by working for God Incorporated. You are defined because you are God's child. So he will always love you and he will help you. So So do not be uh, afraid of your place at the table. Be assured that he loves you, whether your performance in God incorporated has to be addressed or not. Secondly, secondly, if you are in ministry and struggling, again, as I said, how we deal is part of responsibility and integrity. So I mentioned it a a few moments ago, but let me reiterate it. uh, Having worked with many pastors who have had moral failures, And having been a pastor for many years, and I've run into my own brick wall, and I know where the edge of the cliff is for me as well. And I've come close to burnout, and I know what it's like to work hard for the kingdom and all of those vulnerabilities that you experience, I have probably walked in that too. So uh, I'm not here to lecture you, but I want to appeal to you. Uh, Self-awareness is critical that, that you have vulnerabilities and that you are not bad. If you do, you're just human and uh, awareness means I'm not a hypocrite. Hypocrites are people who pretend that they don't have any issues when they do, but it is not hypocrisy to say, Lord, I'm really struggling with this and I don't know what to do. It's not hypocrisy to say, you know, Pastor, I I am struggling with this. Or counselor, I've come to make an appointment to talk with you because I'm not sure about the path forward. I I want to deal with this responsibly. I have this job. I have these responsibilities. And so let it never be said that I'm not attending to this the best I know how. See, that's the difference between humility versus uh, uh, hypocrisy. Jesus references this. The man uh, at the temple who says, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner, uh, versus the other man who looks upon him and judges him and says, gosh, I'm glad I'm not like that. Uh, the one judging him, the religious hypocrite is, uh, he's lacking perspective about himself. He is lacking awareness where the man at the altar crying out to God for mercy. He's the one who has self-awareness. Oh God, I have fallen short. Help me. And, uh, I think that operating in awareness, yes, I have gifts, yes, I have calling, yes, God loves me, but the other part of that truth is, yes, I'm human, I have limitations, I have weaknesses and vulnerabilities and struggles, and these do not disqualify me, particularly depending on how I'm I'm going to deal with them. When I say disqualify, I am not talking about disqualifying you from sonship or daughtership, I'm talking about whether or not you get to lead others. So again, every person on every platform has sexuality and memory and history and humanity to deal with. How you're dealing is what matters. Yes. Secondly, a way that I do deal uh, is, is through advocacy. So the first A is awareness. Second A is advocacy. Because I am aware of my vulnerabilities, I seek out support. Advocacy means support. So for many years, I have seen a professional therapist I do not wait for a breakdown to go talk it through. Instead, I do preventative maintenance, kind of like I run my car, you know, throughout the year, but I get it checked out a couple of times a year to prevent the breakdown rather than wait for the breakdown. And so my soul is sensitive. It can take a lot. I'm resilient. But I can't just live in a state of demand and stress constantly without consequence. And so if there is a time to give and stretch and serve, then there is a time to regroup, cool my jets and also get investments. So I have seen a therapist, who is able to talk it through. They have a a doctorate in counseling psychology, so I can't kid them. And they are also (laughs) a ministry person, so they get my world. And so that's really wonderful to be able to offload. Secondly, I have a team of people who pray for me they are not therapists but they pray for me to encounter god to have peace in the presence of god and that burdens and the slings and arrows of the evil one against me can be broken off so that in that spiritual sense i'm also covered then i also have my wife i have no better prayer partner no better fan and no better accountability partner than my wife she doesn't even have to know all the details and dirt. She just wants to make sure I'm dealing with the details and the dirt. And so she is my helpmate. She loves me as I am, holds forth that higher path before me and encourages, you know, encourages me on that. So who, who's the circle of people in your life to whom you can go and take off your mask and, and tell the truth about yourself? Um, When perhaps it is warranted or or even perhaps to avoid a breakdown by getting a little bit of repair in advance. Prevention is worth a pound of cure. Um, Let me finally add, the third thing is adaptability. You know, I've been in ministry almost 40 years and uh, I've had to weather living a public life where I first gained notoriety and went viral on five continents back in the mid 80s. And I've had to live in that spotlight of a public life and at the epicenter of social issues that caused me to come under scrutiny and pressure and criticism. Uh, I've also had to live across cultural life and all the while raise my family, be a husband and, and try to manage my own humanity. It's a pretty tall order, wouldn't you say? And, and so uh, there are times I've had to recognize as seasons change, oh, my family now. How am I going to deal? I just can't partner with my wife and go out and do what I did before. I've got to adapt now that I have a family and I have to change how much time is available to do these things because while I minister to others, I now have a life dependent upon me that I must minister to. And um, so if I make time for strangers, I had better learn to make time for my family. Turn off the telephone rather than hope it will not ring, and say no to other opportunities, to say yes to new responsibilities. So I have to switch it out and find new ways to go forward and adapt. Then also, when my family grew up, and then I was an empty nester, I had more free time again, but now there was more demand upon me. Flying Sometimes, you know, 150,000 to 200,000 miles a year uh, around the world may sound very exciting, and it is. The opportunities were magnificent, but too much of a good thing will also be your undoing. And so I had to learn to, uh, to uh, pace myself, and uh, I've had to learn to, to recalibrate. And so, you know, I learned when the very thing I love getting up and do doing is beginning to make me feel resentful or exhausted or you know uh, concerned and others become concerned, then I need to listen to those red flags. It's like rubbing a blister when you're hiking on a mountain trail. You just don't keep walking in the face of pain. You have to take your boots off, treat the blister, comfort it, pat it, and then try to walk on a different gait so that you do not keep rubbing that blister. And so when you rub a blister in your soul, it doesn't mean you need to throw the towel in on God or your ministry, but it may mean uh, you need to adapt to the new pressure. And, you know, the the, the comforting glory cloud of God that shielded the Hebrew children from the rays of the sun in the desert uh, is a cloud that God would move. And when God wanted the Hebrew children to move to a new destination, well, if they didn't want to move, then he would move the glory cloud and the sun would beat them down and they would have to adapt and find, hey, where is the cloud of grace now? I have to adapt and go where the cloud's gone. Uh, You know, I'm not comfortable where I am, but this is going to wear me out soon. I need to go and find that cloud. I hope that metaphor is making sense as I, I walk through it. But so, I, again, I, I'm not risk free. I am not here to tell you how to live your life. But this is how I've learned to manage those risks and still love God, still enjoy serving his kingdom interests and having had a family raised that are not bitter and twisted toward ministry um, you know, I'm not a perfect man and I'm not a perfect husband and father, but in spite of the vulnerabilities, God has helped me um, Amen. Uh, manage these risks. But it took that awareness and humility. It took responsible action to get support and advocacy and then being tipped off that sometimes in various seasons of life, we need to adapt and change uh, so that we can continue offering Something uh, yes. that comes from health and the purpose and place of God. Anyway, I, I hope some of that will help somebody listening.
1: Yeah, so well said. And um, let me just say too, Sai, I'm so we're so thankful for you. You are such a gift to the body of Christ. You're thank you for walking through, you know, what you've walked through for the perspective of being able to articulate it and put language around it. You 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 do it, you do that better than anybody. And uh, I'm just going to believe that that some of these words will just bring freedom and life to to someone listening and you know, quite frankly, thank you for the long flights, thank you for all the hours of laboring, thank you for the times away from your family and thank you for those green room conversations with interns um that I know you make yourself available for um y- you've I know that your your fruit probably is in many more places than you than you'd ever know. And so thank you for what you do. I, I just want to wrap up with one final question today and let you go for a minute on it. Um, you know in light of in light of everything you've, you've met a lot of different kinds of people. You've met a lot of challenges along the way. just so just wrap it up by saying this, why do you love the local church? What is it about God's church that wakes you up in the morning and causes you to serve like you serve?
0: Um, I think a couple of things. First of all, uh, I benefited from my local church. Uh, one of my favorite messages, I teach it around the world. You've heard me do it. It's called The Three Things My Church Did Right. I yeah. pointed out some of those ideas in our time together. But, you know, I've had the privilege to share that very message in the church that nurtured me on a path of health and growth, and uh, was recently in the neighborhood of that church here in the U.S., and so many of the people, my home group leader, the best man at my wedding, and and so many people who were in my my, uh, uh, Bible training class, you know, we, we all rallied together, and, you know, those relationship bonds continue on still. So I benefited. From the local church investing in my life. I I can't even imagine where I would be in life had God not put skin on and worked through them to bring benefit to my life um, and at their expense, you know, Uh, uh, so. I get it. I get how God intends it to work. Our humanity is so imperfect, and yet this is the vehicle through which God mediates Himself to hungry, needy, misdirected people to help them get on path and grow up healthier into the purposes of God. Yes. Uh, She's not a perfect vehicle, but that's the human side of things. And yet, in spite of those risks, God still operates through this vehicle, his church. Um, secondly, I think, you know, uh, I have compassion. That compassion has deepened. Uh, I, I, I look upon leaders with compassion. I know they, they strive to do the best they know. They have their own humanity in that mix that can make them so vulnerable. I look upon uh, the congregations, I can begin to touch on some of that compassion Christ must have felt when he saw the the people Israel and that they were like sheep without a shepherd, uh, that they had great needs that were not able to be fully understood and served. And he longed to want to do that. And I think the daddy and granddaddy part of me feels that all the more, that uh, I am privileged with an apostolic calling to serve the body of Christ around the world. And when I look back over my life, that's what God has had me do. And uh, so I bring my piece, you know, to that table, my, my portion uh, of encouragement and equipping. But, uh, you know, it is out of compassion that people, you know, life on earth is hard. And people struggle with all manner of, of challenges, whether it's health or finance, or relationship issues, or present struggles, or past events, and they are hindered, they're harassed by the prince of this world, and by systems that conflict them, and and it's not easy trying to walk with God within and without, and yet God is present. He's established a beachhead until Christ comes back to end the madness of Satan's oppression, and until Christ comes back, is at least established a beachhead called the church where people are gathered to god through salvation and there we nurture them in that lifeboat and tend to their wounds and instruct them in the blank spots of understanding and bring clarity where things are fuzzy and indistinct and you know i i think that made the difference for me christ led me that way and so he had compassion on me, and therefore I cannot help but want to provide that uh, upper hand, that, that hand that lifts people up. Uh, you know, I learned years ago in my ministry when I began to gain notoriety, it's not about my career. God yes. could care less in that regard. Yes. Uh, God's interested in his sheep. And if you are a ministry worker today, it is not about your advancement, your career, it is about God's interest in his sheep. And yes. as you are aware of that and serve the welfare of his house, his people, his sheep, God will bless you and and expand your influence, I believe. So um, using the bread God gave me to serve others, to help them, uh, is born out of a compassion. And uh, I like that as a man who had a very bludgeoned, broken heart and to didn't experience a lot of compassion growing up. I'm so thankful to have not only benefited from that compassion, but to be able to turn it around and offer that bread to others. It may not fix everybody's problem, but hey, if I can encourage you listening today, it will have been worth it.
1: Yes. So beautifully said. And um, I could talk to you for hours, but I think we'll (laughs) leave it there today. (laughs) Hey, thank you. Thank you. We, We love you so much. And uh, we love you
0: too, Brandon. Can, Can I just pray for your listeners?
1: Yes, please do. For
0: our time. You know, Lord, I've offered up an awful lot of idea and opinion. I pray the part that listeners need will stick. And that not only that, words of life like seeds planted will blossom and grow and bring fruit that lasts. I pray, Holy Spirit, anything I've offered that's wood, hay, or stubble, burn that up. But I pray that the truth invested will remain, and you will add to it, especially for those who are struggling right now listening to this podcast, struggling and feeling ashamed or afraid. Send them dreams and visions. Send them your word. Send words of life through others to assure them Put their hearts at peace that you know the end from the beginning and you are working good in their lives and you will never abandon the work of your hands. Bring them through, Lord Jesus. Help them, help them to never give up, but get up and continue trusting your love, walking forward in your grace. Bless Brandon, his whole family, his ministry, and this podcast. We believe you will use it to make your kingdom rich. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. I receive it. Uh, thanks, my friend.
0: <laughs> all right. We'll look forward to the next time. Tell your family, hey, and to all those in your world, we'll look forward to crossing paths one day.
1: I think you'd agree with me. That was an incredible couple of episodes with Cy Rogers. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope that it has spoken into your life, given you a new perspective. So thank you, Cy, for being with us. Last two episodes. If this podcast has resonated with you, I want to encourage you to help us out by becoming a podcast ambassador. Share the podcast, leave a rating, a comment. We would love to hear from you. Also, I would encourage you to uh, join us this August at Team Church Conference. You know, Leading Second is a part of the Team Church tribe. And um, I want to encourage you to join us for our annual conference, August 5th through the 9th, right here in Tacoma, Washington, at my home church, Champion Center. For more information, check out teamchurchconference.com. Leading Second will be there. We'll be a part of some sessions. We would love to meet you. We'd love to gather with you and believe for a really uh, significant time together this summer as we move church forward. So we love you, Leading Second. We're, we're in your corner. We're praying for you. We're believing with you for God to do great things in your life and in your ministry. Until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together.
0: For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.